as long as we think that you are a good culture fit and you're going to contribute to our team in a way that's like makes us better, then I think we're happy to hire people. Yo, what's up, everybody? Your host, Andrew Linfoot here, and you are listening to the Pesto Podcast, where each week I sit down with some of the most innovative leaders in tech to chat about how to build and scale distributed teams. If you're looking to get an insider's perspective on the future of work, you're in the right place. I'm super excited to introduce you to today's guest. All right. Uh, welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Pesto Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. We have Christina Kim a founding engineer of Sorceress. Uh, Christina, you want to tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself, your background, and what Sorceress is? Yeah. Um, thanks for your introduction. Um, I'm an engineer here at Sorceress. Uh, I joined Sorceress while we're going through YC in summer 2017. Um, at Sorceress, what we're doing is we're just trying to automate the whole process, like outbound pro- um, sourcing process. So for most companies, you're just not getting enough inbound applicants to your roles, and you're just one of the biggest needs that we've talked to so many people is that they have, they just can't hire really great people. And we really like to build really great products. You need really great people behind them. Um, and this originally came out from Kanjun, her CEO was the chief of staff at Dropbox. And she, one of the things that she was working on often was just hiring and like building a hiring rate for Dropbox. And it was just like the biggest struggle was to fulfill their roles. Um, so what we actually do is we want to find great candidates for people. So you're not as a recruiter, hiring manager, engineering manager, or you're not spending your time sourcing and like scrolling through LinkedIn endlessly for finding keyword searches for like software engineer. You're actually just spending your time selling candidates. So what we do is uh, we have machine learning models that are actually finding um, really great candidates for you alongside our human labelers. And then once we find really great candidates, we'll actually do your the outreach on your behalf. Um, and then for you as a person who's using sources, all you have is really great candidates in your inbox. The whole process is like we just want people to be focused on like having really great candidates to engage versus spending all that time looking for keywords that like just aren't giving them good results. Okay, cool. That's awesome summary. And, and you guys work with some, some pretty big name uh, customers. Can you, can you share in those with people listening on the, on the pod? Yeah. Um, we work with like Cruise. We just signed Airbnb. We work with the sauna Flexport. Um, a lot of like big companies in the Bay area, um, have been working with us and I think Cruise we've been working with since like we were going through YC. So we've been working with them almost like two years now. Um, and, What's really great about working with these companies is that um, as soon as we've hired or fulfilled a role, like for some of our companies, they use us for like higher up, like director of engineering. There's also this whole process of like there's great candidates that they really like, but they're just not looking at the right time or that time. And so what we'll do is actually re-engage those candidates later for them. Um, And so it's less of like a hassle. And like really what we want people to be doing is like giving candidates a really great experience and really like finding great candidates that they love versus like spending all their time like scheduling or managing this whole process of like looking. Okay, cool. That's a good summary. So everyone here is listening to kind of better understand how to build and scale distributed teams. Can you tell us a little bit about your team makeup? Uh, You know, how many people do you have? Who's remote? Who's not? Uh, Has it always been that way? And kind of what's the history of your team development at Sources? Yeah, it's definitely super interesting. So I think about half of our engineering team right now is remote. And it's actually always been this way since I... What is that in terms of numbers? Um, Yeah, so we have a nine-person engineering team, and um, including Josh, our CTO, if you count him. And four of those people are remote. Um, And we've actually always had about like 50% uh, remote engineering. Like when I first started, um, I was on site and we had a remote engineer. And so it was about 50% at the time. And it's actually always been around that ratio. And because of that, um, I think we've just 
always had in mind like how to best communicate or like well we've had like team norms around like that's not that weird to not be on site okay. so like in this room right now you have this jabra and like the room over there we actually have this huge zoom what's setup. a jabra for everyone uh listening you can't oh. see the jabra yeah jabra <laughs> is just like a really great microphone so you should definitely get this there's just also this other microphone that we use that's an owl that has like a camera attached to it so the camera moves to whoever's speaking Oh, oh, cool. Where okay. the sound is. And, and it does that automatically. So you yeah, it does. Okay. And so we actually basically, except for this room, or I think it used to be set up, um, every room's like equipped with a pretty great webcam and this like microphone setup, just so it's like really easy to communicate. And so in our engineering pod, we actually just have the TV, that's the wall is what we call it, and it's just on the whole time. Yeah. And so remote engineers just like log into the Zoom call that we have, and they'll just join us for whatever time that they are overlapping with our schedule here in San Francisco. And then when they're out, they're out. Um, Interesting. Okay, yeah. so tell tell me a little bit more about the the wall. So is that always on, and they can just jump in whenever, or is that only during meeting times? No, it's always on. Um, and the idea is that like if you want to, you also aren't required to like log in during whenever you're working. But the idea is that like there's a lot of conversations that happen when you're in person versus not, and it it's nice to just like overhear. And I think that's like the one of the great things about being on site is that you get to just overhear a lot of these conversations, mm-hmm. and it's not something that we want to have like our remote engineers like feel left out of in the process. Okay. I think another thing that, um, and we've had this wall or this idea of the wall since like I've been working here, which is okay. pretty much the beginning, um, because of the fact that we've had remote. Yes. Yeah. Um, How often do people tune in? Is that like a common practice for someone to tune in like, hey, I'm bored or like I'm taking a little break. Like, what's up? What are you guys up to? Or is it? Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it actually utilized like that or is that kind of It boring? used to be utilized like that. Um, it's a little less now just because we have so many more people in that space right now over there um, okay. in our office. Um, so it's a little bit noisy for people who are calling in. But it used okay. to be that people would just like hop on and hop off whenever they wanted to. Okay, that's and cool. so whenever we have stand up, that's how we do it too is that we just everyone joins the wall. We chalk and it's just like as if everyone's there, um, okay. which I think is really neat. Another thing that we do is that everyone – Instead of you DMing people on Slack, we everyone has a private chat channel. That's like mine is chat uh, Tina. And instead of like you DMing me to have a private conversation about something, you would just DM me the question in my channel so everyone else can see in the ch- uh, team as well. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is like the whole idea of like, you know, as if I'm having a conversation sitting next to you, but like the idea is anyone can see if there's relevant information in that, like other people can jump in, right? Okay. And like, I mean, obviously if it's like some super top secret or something, they can DM, but the idea is that like, we want to have more of these conversations in public versus not. Um, that way you're not really missing out on something. Okay. So we, we have a policy on that too at Pesto. Just like essentially do everything in public channels if possible unless it's like, you know, confidential or like maybe like something salary information yeah, you want to share. Um, how often do you feel like people will use that public DM channel versus kind of falling back to the, the default practice of doing a DM? Like do you have to constantly encourage that? No, it's mm-hmm. pretty normal. Um, I don't. I don't really know how many other people have this and how this will keep scaling, um, but it's been really nice just that like everyone has a chat, their name channel, and like yeah. if you want to talk to them, that's where you go. And yeah. we actually have a pretty like good policy around like most of my Slack, my real DMs will interrupt me and give me a notification. So it's actually better if someone chats me in this chat, Christina channel, because then okay. it's like more scheduled and I can actually do it. Um, it. I actually don't get the DMs that often. It's mostly literally all in this chat channel. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. So we're sitting in a, a conference room. Essentially, there's there's post-it notes written everywhere on basically every single wall in this place. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about like these post-it notes and like how do you kind of use these sort of like physical space workflows? Like what it looks like to maybe be a brainstorming session. Um, how do you kind of incorporate remote employees in that type of workflow? 
Yeah, so the post-it notes all around us right now are a lot about our product roadmap for the next six months. Um, so it's a lot about like what we're going to be building next, um, how we want to start packaging some of our products for customers and like new ways that we want to be um, working with customers that like maybe not that we're hiring a lot in the beginning, but now are like teetering off and they're hiring a little bit less. Um, how can we still have like a really good experience for them? So that's what's going on in this room right now. Mm -hmm. um, Generally, for like larger brainstorms like this, is definitely a little bit harder to have like remote mm -hmm. people like following completely, just because like yeah, as you can see, there's like post-it notes with tiny ass handwriting right now. <laughs> um, so it's that's that's difficult. So we generally like have, try to have like these conversations like a lot smaller if it, if it is like so. I think this okay. brainstorm actually was just two people. Okay, um, interesting. And then do you like type these up after for the remote employees, or like I mean, you just kind of they miss this session, you give them the the Spark Notes version. No, uh, we definitely try to. So I think this was just like for uh, our product, our PMs and designer. But mm -hmm. if we have a room person for like a brainstorming session, we definitely like take photos. And we've actually even had it so like someone will move around with the webcam. So they okay. like, look at the whiteboard and everything. Um, I think we did this once like last year, actually, where we were doing like a or renaming some of our values um, and we we're trying okay. to come up with like better wording. So someone was literally just like holding the webcam above the whiteboard and just like moving it as the person was okay. typing. Um, that's cool and then we also do is to send photos obviously of like yeah. things um, but I think the most useful thing is like having people being able to actually like hear and participate um, mm -hmm. it's not useful like afterwards to like look at all this and make sense of it but if they're there in the process I think it's usually fine got it okay and then is everyone on the same time zone what no they're not um, so we have people in Europe that's like on pretty different time zone okay um, I'll actually be traveling for two weeks soon and I'll actually be in like Japan and Australia oh, cool. so <laughs> I'll be like 17 hours ahead so uh, it's not exactly quite the right time zone yeah. either will you um, be working while traveling or yeah I am okay. and so and I actually feel totally fine doing that because of the fact that it's gonna be really easy to work with people and it's like not uh -huh. there's no I think if we didn't have all these setups and like processes in place where it's like really easy to like know what's happening and really easy to like call into a stand-up meeting or call into meetings in general then um i don't think i would have felt as comfortable taking like that time off or like traveling but it feels okay. like actually gonna be really easy to just do that how are you gonna do stand-ups when you're in japan you just kind of wake up at 1am or something like that or how i think that... it's like it, it's a little early but it's like i generally work up, wake up in sf like 6am so i think if okay. around 6 or 7 i think is the time that our stand-up would be in japan Okay, cool. No worries. Or I'll just skip them. I think that's also fine. What we do for stand-up also is that we have this uh, log that we keep track of. So, like, at the beginning of stand-up, everyone's just typing in this, like, paper doc that we have. And then um, afterwards, everyone will just go around quickly to summarize, like, the major things. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. So, all these kind of remote work processes, uh, how did you kind of come to these conclusions and figure this out? Like, did you have to kind of, like, stumble through it or... Was it just, it made sense, it was natural, you, this is how you operate anyway with kind of posting notes and uh, kind of remote first, or what was that evolution process like? I don't think it was something that we super intentionally had to like fight for in any way or like mm -hmm. had to like, it was hard to integrate. Um, but for the public chat channels that we have, I think we've always wanted that for mm -hmm. like transparency sake as a company that we just like want to be open about our communication. So I think that's really nice. Um, and I think because we just have had remote folks from the beginning, it's mm -hmm. just been something that's like, oh, we always have like this wall or we always have like really good mic setups um, and things like that. Um, so it hasn't been too difficult, I think. I think it's just being, being cognizant, especially now as we're growing our team and hiring. Uh, we had the question of like, do we want to keep hiring more like more remote engineers, yeah. uh, more remote folks from our business side? Um, and the answer was like pretty clear that was yes. Like mm -hmm. it's 
really great working with a room of engineers. It doesn't really matter. We believe like where you are. It's nice when people come on site. Like we had this offsite a couple of weeks ago. It was really nice to just like have everyone in person, okay. which is really, really lovely. And, and I you think do that offsite here in SF or? Uh, we went down to Santa Clara, but everyone, um, people came here to work for a week beforehand or okay. a couple of days afterwards. And so that was just like really nice to like have face-to-face contact with people. Yeah. How um, do you deal with visas? Uh, is everyone like... Uh, US so it didn't quite or... work with everyone who were who like didn't have a visa to come to the U.S. Um, but we're working on visas for anyone who's not actually here yet in the states. And we've had people who from Europe that um, don't plan on becoming U.S. citizens, but they just come here on like a visa. Too. Okay, got it. Yeah, very cool. Um, so you work in the, the hiring space. You're seeing a lot of people hiring. What do you think like the general sentiments are about remote work for some of these bigger companies? you work with? Like, are they hiring remote? Are they looking at remote? Or is it kind of like, if they can't fill a role, they'll go remote? What What do you see out there with some of your customers you work with? For most of our customers, I think, or for most of the roles, that, the specific roles that we're working with right now, uh, I think most of them aren't open to remote. Um, and most of them are actually just hiring them for um, SF or the particular location. Um, we're working with some teams that are hiring like in Pittsburgh or New York. Um, so I think they're generally focused on like wherever that team is to hire for that team. Got it. Okay. And then for your own roles, like you, you mentioned, you're, you're open to hiring more remote, but do you have kind of a, a preference or distinction between like, this is a on-site role or on-site preferred for this role, or is every role kind of fully open for remote or on-site? And for how do you think about that? Our engineering organization for hiring right now, our engineering manager position is currently just for on-site, um, just because it's easier I, if they're building out a team to have them be like in person with us. Um Otherwise, for our other engineering roles, um, we're hiring for back-end, front-end, and machine learning engineers. Um, they're all remote. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Is there anything that like you find particularly hard with these remote hires versus the on-site hires? And if so, like what what is that kind of challenge, I guess? Our process is about the same. So um, we have had remote contractor engineers before, and that's a little bit different process. But our process for hiring like engineers, um, like employees, it's the same like interview process and same everything so it's not like there's not anything do they come out for like yeah the on-site? so if okay. we can get them on for the onsite if they're okay if they're not able to because they're located somewhere totally different and they only do mm-hmm. it via zoom that's totally fine as well um okay yeah so there's not any like super difficult process in terms of like i feel like integrating them with the team as well a lot of these uh um engineers that we worked with uh who are remote engineers have worked at other startups or other like tech companies before too so they're it's not like they're totally agreed to this whole, um, like, working as a software engineer remote. And a lot of them actually do have, I've noticed, like, experience working some way or not uh, remotely. So they have, like, really good setups at their home to work. And, like, they're structured in terms of, like, they have a space where they can do this. Okay, got it. And then do you, like, open all your uh, remote job postings for remote? Or are these remote roles more kind of people that are referrals or they applied anyway and it was, like, listed as on-site? And, like, um, no, so all of our job postings... Um, I believe, like, stay that uh, we're open to remote. Okay. Yeah. Except for the ones that aren't open to remote. So we have, like, a customer success role that's not open to remote because we like to do in-person visits with our um, customers. So it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then how do you uh, vet remote talent? So one thing we found with a lot of our hiring partners at Pesto is they don't know a lot of these companies that our engineers have worked for. They don't know the colleges that they have gone to. So it's, it's really hard for them to have a lot of signal on their resumes. So how do you kind of tackle that problem if you have that problem? Let's say if you're hiring someone from, I don't know, let's call it Ukraine, right? How would you kind of develop signal on their resume or their hiring profile or job application um, for that candidate? 
Yeah, I think what we generally look like look for is just like do they even if it's not like companies that we know because generally they're not in schools that we know we just don't have that good reference right like you know what Harvard is but you really don't know what the best school in the Ukraine the is. Harvard of Ukraine is right? yeah, <laughs> yeah right exactly so um, generally if you feel like the person has enough experience we'll just go ahead and do an initial screen and um, I've actually been doing most of our initial screens and I m- mostly take calls with most of our applicants or like a good chunk of them um, just because if it's harder to tell um, I think it's better to take. The chance of like talking to them for like 15 to 30 minutes to get like a general feel uh, and that's usually like good enough to figure out like does this person actually have the right background for this role okay got it makes sense um and then for these engineers in in europe do you set them up as independent contractors or are they full-time employees you have subsidiaries out there how do you structure that from kind of a like a finance legal tax perspective? yeah um I'm not sure the exact way that it works. I do think some of them might be filed more as like contractors or like the way we've hired them is through as like a contractor than not as a full employee. Um, though I'm pretty sure some of them are, but I'm not exactly, exactly sure how we do this. Uh, the whole like breakdown of like how we put okay. that. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of companies, uh, actually almost all remote companies that I've, I've talked to with the exception of like a couple of the really, really big ones like GitLab, they kind of start with uh, contractors and then if, they start to hire a bunch of people in that country or that country's labor laws require uh, a subsidiary, then they'll kind of move that route. Yeah, I don't think we have subsidiaries anywhere just because we don't have that many engineers it's in one country. It's a pain. Country. We have yeah. one in India. It's, oh. it's not fun. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I, 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 like, I'm pretty double sure... Double the accounting, double the tax filings. Yeah. And, uh, I'm pretty sure if yeah. um, any of the people we work with are remote and they're not a U.S. citizen, we are basically have hired them as like a contractor. Um, and for most of our remote folks, or if any of them are interested in moving to the U.S., uh, we also work on like getting them to the States. We actually, one of our engineers right now, Bartosz, is from Poland, um, and he's with been with us for like almost like three years, two years, I think, also. Um, but he was originally remote, and then recently just came on site like as of last year. Okay, and then yeah. you, did you help like sponsor his yeah, H1B? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So for anyone who's listening, who's looking for a job for an awesome company that sponsors H1Bs, that's actually pretty rare for a startup to to. Yeah, I think we're like. pretty happy if someone is a great engineer. If we like, if you don't really care where you are, and if you have preferences of like where you want to be, then we're happy to sponsor you to get here. Okay. What was that process like? Do you know? Is it like hard to sponsor an H1B? I've heard it's a nightmare, but I mean, I obviously, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I've I think had for in this particular case, we actually did it through the J1, which is like a um, learning visa kind of deal, I think. Okay, really. it. So it's like, um, it's kind of like the idea is like they're doing like an internship or an apprenticeship almost. Um, oh, and got so it. that's okay. how they, yeah. Interesting. And okay. actually, it was pretty easy. I think it end to end was like pretty easy for us to get this. Um, visa for him um mm. i think it was like two days of paperwork and i think about it yeah that seems super reasonable okay yeah. um and then for your on-site uh employees they do some of them i mean you're traveling for two weeks while working is mm-hmm. that like a, a common thing uh do you have to kind of change your workflows to accommodate that or is it because everything's default remote first you just say hey i'm gonna be in japan next week what's that look like for your kind of operation? yeah it's pretty as a startup of our size of like 20-ish people, there's not any formalized, like, how are you taking time off? Um, so, yeah, it is pretty, like, informal that I'm just saying that I will be in this place. Um, and I just let people know on my calendar. Um, we have access to everyone. Everyone has access to everyone else's calendar. So I'll probably just okay. block off time and be like, this is when I will be sleeping now. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, like, pretty casual. It, there's not anything, like... Yeah, there's no, like, huge announcement I'm making or, like, huge thing I'm putting in place so things don't get lost. So what about, um, like, holidays? So Poland's going to have different holidays. They're not going to be taking yeah. the 4th of July, July off, right. you know, like we might hear. How do you accommodate those kind of cultural differences in your remote team? 
Um, we respect those holidays. I think one of our um, Lithuanian, uh, one of our contractors is in Lithuania, and they have, I think for like Easter, they take off like lots of days. I think. Okay. Yeah. So we we're just like, yeah, sure. Or like it was like some national holiday, so it's like I'll be gone for like five days, and we're like, okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do they then work on like some of these other holidays then, or do you, would they just take double holidays, or you guys just don't really worry about it too much? I, I don't think we worry about it too much. Um, we have unlimited PTO, and so it's okay. just like not something we super try to like I think keep track of especially at this stage it's most about trust of like are you getting your work done and I think it's generally fine if you have some holiday that you're taking off okay we'll see how that goes as we're growing um if there's like too much conflict um but generally I think it's you tell the people that you're working with closely about like the time that you'll actually be gone and available and if as long as the calendar is up to date I think we're generally like it's fine okay that makes sense uh and then did you work in any non-remote companies prior to Sorceress um maybe I'm not totally sure anymore. No, uh, did, did you personally? Like, oh. you, like your, your engineering background, like, were you working in... Uh, oh, was I ever a remote engineer? Yeah, oh, a no. non-remote engineer, like a purely on-site company. Like, I don't think so, actually. Um, before Sorcerers, I was working at Mimibox as an engineer, um, and uh-huh. it was... I feel like all, everyone was on-site, but we did have like, offices in other countries, so it was... Okay. Were, yeah. So, but I don't think it was like a remote first ish, like not the way that we do it here. Definitely, um, that's like open to remote. I definitely don't think we we're like hiring. We weren't hiring remote engineers at the time. Is there anything that from your old job that you did that you couldn't do in this job? Like either like company process wise, like the way you kind of go about any of your stand ups or reporting uh, that like isn't conducive to this remote first culture, and that's something you kind of noticed in that shift. Honestly, no, like not at all. Um, I think if anything, I actually really like some of the things that we do that make it easier for you to be remote, like the chat channels that we have and like being able to like call into meetings really easily or that like every meeting is attached to a Zoom link regardless of you meeting in person or not. Um, yeah, and- a lot of like uh, kind of remote culture is if you say it's like, oh, you got to over communicate, you got to document things, you got to put things in writing. But in a lot of ways, those are like kind of just best practices for, like, yeah, being yeah. It's, a, it's a good like, company. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's just useful to have all this logs, right? Like, it's yeah. like, if I, like, the other day, there was, like, this bug that we saw, and I was like, oh, I know I talked about it with someone, so I just, like, searched in Slack, and I found it, and I was like, cool. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but it would have been definitely lost if I just had to remember this, like, in-person conversation I had with someone to, like, fix something. Okay. Um, so, with in-person conversations, do you, like, constantly kind of, like, type up, we see a lot of remote companies that, like, type up meeting notes, or uh, have a preference for putting things in writing over in person. Do you guys have to kind of push that culture within the company or is that everyone's default state anyway or do you not do that kind of stuff? I don't know so much about meeting notes. We do record a lot of our meetings um, regardless, I think. So like uh, even if a meeting... Or is that record like video? And yeah, yeah. So like we'll that? just record things on Zoom. So like we have all hands every week and we record it every week regardless of like if everyone's in attendance or not just for us to have like a log of it. Um, okay, got it. Um, I think generally people like to write things down and document things, um, but it's not like a requirement that like if you're having a meeting, you must type this up and post it here, that kind of deal. Okay, got it, got it. Um, we do, I, I, we have this new channel for operations decisions that's called the operations decisions. Okay. It's like, um, Fitting name? Yeah, it's basically just like proposals, like, yeah, or like, and we have a, like another channel where it's just like smaller proposals, like, like I want to change, uh. Or, like, I want to do something on Friday. Is this what, it, what do people want to do? It's like a proposal. People just vote on it. And the same thing for, like, our operations side. And people, they'll be like, oh, this is a problem. I want to, or, like, 
I think we should start using this product to record our videos. I think was one of the things the other day, and like okay. people just had like a conversation about it. Um, but most of the conversation was happening in Slack, and you don't have this like in person conversation to talk about like this decision you're making, and it's all like there too, I guess. So we've done things like that, but I think more of that is not just for our distributed team, um, or, but more just for us. So it's easier for us to like do asynchronous communication because okay. the idea is like even though we're all in person, um, we have this like very big focus on like deep work and focusing okay. so it's like even if you're in person uh, most of the time like unless like i have a meeting schedule like in the morning especially like i prefer just to have that time to like work on things and, like, yeah. and get like into flow with whatever i'm working on and it's hard to do that if you're getting constantly pinged by someone walking up to you yeah. or even pinged on slack right so um i think generally regardless of like us having remote uh, folks it's more just about like how can we like get these processes a lot faster get the decisions faster and a lot of that by doing things asynchronously or like writing it down yeah that makes sense um yeah i find you know because i've done remote when i go to india with the team i'll i'll be on site with them and uh, i find i get like a lot more focus and deep work done when i'm not constantly you know getting tapping having people tap me on the shoulder i'm like can you help me with this thing can you help me with that totally and i think that actually like works really well with our like remote folks is that because of that focus of like wanting to focus on things focus <laughs> yeah. and wanting to focus okay. yeah is that you have this like other pro- like other workflows where we're trying to do things asynchronously so you're not missing anything right because you're not having this live conversation with someone to decide whether or not we should buy this new uh service to record videos instead of zoom or something okay so uh i guess when you're doing all this asynchronous communication like one of the biggest things is like getting used to asynchronous communication and like being comfortable uh, basically waiting a long time for a reply and not kind of thinking like, okay, I need to push this forward. I need to hear a response now. Has that been something you or anyone on your team have kind of had to like, I don't know, get better about or change their thought processes around? Or is it everyone just kind of from day one was like, okay, I don't care if this doesn't get a reply for two hours. Cause you know, when it's your problem, you know, you feel like you need a response immediately. But the reality is like, it can probably wait. That's the case a lot of the times, but some of the times, I mean, things are urgent, right? So, like, we can just out the person on Slack or, like, okay. actually just grab them in person if they're in person. Um, okay, is that I, how you basically signal within the organization, like, this yeah. is synchronous versus asynchronous? Like, or, if like, you... or, like, or if you especially need to, you, like, will at them or DM them. So, most of us, like, like I said, have our notifications turned on for our DMs, but not our specific chat channels. So, that, the idea is that, like, that chat channel is supposed to be asynchronous. So, like, it'll give me a, like, it'll ask me a question, but it's totally fine if I don't reply for a couple of hours. But if you DM me, then probably means like you want my attention right now. Got it. Okay. The other idea that we were trying out on our engineering side, at least, was that you are signed out of Slack, but you're signed into Zoom. So if someone actually needs to reach you, they'll just call you on Zoom okay. instead of like um, chatting you on So Slack. you signed into Zoom like all day, basically? Well, that was the basic idea. I don't think we quite have done that yet, but the idea was like okay. if you really want to like get your six hours or whatever you want to get in the morning uh, totally undisturbed, then... Uh, but you still want to be reachable, right? Like, you, like the idea is like not for you to be like in a hole working on something. But if someone needs to reach you, they should be able to reach you. Okay. What about uh, like schedules? Like, does everyone work kind of a normal like nine to five, nine to six, whatever that hour is, um, or is it more uh, flexible in terms of some people come in later in the day but they work later? Or yeah, it's how- definitely like that. Um, I don't think we particularly care about like when you're working, as long as like you know things are getting done, like you're responsibilities are taken care of and you're generally reliable right so i think we like to have the overlap in the afternoon where everyone's like online ish and oh, so, so like, the overlap with europe essentially time yeah yeah so we have our stand up around 1 p.m uh pacific time um okay. and so that's when we all like chat with everyone um and the idea is that we want to have some overlap and the idea is you should have some overlap with some people uh just because 
it's otherwise just really hard to communicate, um, especially for meetings. So I think generally most people are around in the afternoons to like, like have meetings with people and like talk to people. Um, but other than that, it's pretty flexible about when you get work done. Like even for people on site, like some of us have really drastically different schedules. Like some of us don't get up to like almost midday, like right before okay. stand up. And then, yeah. but they're like working till like pretty late. Right. So okay. um, some of us prefer like really early in the morning and then like can't get anything done after like 8 PM is like the max that they are tapping out. Um, okay. But usually earlier. So it just really depends on like what is works best for you. And I, we're pretty flexible with like when that actually happens. Okay. Um, what about for like you personally? One thing I've noticed with working from home and remote work is it's kind of hard to separate kind of work from personal life. Like those two kind of segments of time, it all kind of blends together because yeah. you don't leave the office ever really essentially. Yeah. Uh, how do you kind of deal with that? Or do you think about that? Is that a problem for you? Um, um. Or is it startup and you're just like, fuck it, I'll work all the time? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's definitely, it's not something I think about too often, to be honest. Um, I definitely, I mean, I do everything that I want to do in a day. Like, I, okay. like, work out, I will meet up with people, I'll chat with people for their podcast. And, <laughs> Thank you for like, that. Thank you for that. It's not like, it's not like something, like, and, like, if I particularly want, so I've actually shifted more of my schedule to earlier in the day, so I have more of my nights free to meet up with people and friends. Um, okay. But... It actually not, it's never been like something that like I've thought about too much. I'm like pretty happy with the way my life integrates with my work, to be honest. Um, Cool, cool. That makes sense. Uh, What about uh, like company culture, team bonding within a remote environment? Do you guys have any kind of rituals or things you do to help the the remote people feel more a part of the team? Yeah, we actually started doing this thing on, um, I think it's a, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, where we'll actually, some of us will go into one of the conference rooms, um, mm-hmm. in the back and uh, like remote people will log into the zoom there and we'll just have lunch with them. And so the idea is oh, like, cool. cause we, okay. uh, every, like every day of the week we eat lunch together as a team, but like as a remote person, you can't really yeah. communicate with us. Right. It, or it's just really hard. We tried it. Like we actually have like a camera over like our kitchen table, but okay. it just, it was too hard. Cause there's like a bunch of us here now and the conversation is really hard to pick up on the idea is like a couple of people will go into that room to have this like a smaller conversation and that way they actually feel like they're like part of our like lunch ritual that we do okay that's cool yeah that's super cool um okay and is do you do anything else on that front like one-on-one meetings with uh, some of these remote people to kind of understand yeah. who they are as a person like for sure like, do you have an equivalent of like your friday beers with the remote people that you want to do or anything there yeah um i actually for most of our at least for the engineering side um we encourage all of our engineers to like have one-on-one meetings with everyone else on the team uh, engineers definitely and even with other people um and then i've been onboarding uh one of our newer engineers and we just meet every day for like 30 minutes right before um lunchtime and so it's just idea like it's just a quick check-in of like making sure like he isn't confused totally lost about something or like it's also a good way for us to just get quick facetime as someone especially like remote um, I think it's kind of intimidating to be joining a team that was like, you know, still mostly in San Francisco and you being in Michigan is just like strange, right? Yeah. Um, so like you want to feel like you're part of the team. Um, in the future, we're trying to get people to come to SF like at least once a quarter or so. Um, and the idea is that they will just week work on site for a week and then they just get to hang out with the team and like get in touch again. And then it's totally fine if they, you know, depart after that. Okay. Uh, are there any places where you think remote work kind of falls apart? Or, like, where remote work is just not a good fit? Mm-hmm. 
Do you mean like or certain types of teams or like certain industries? Any trade-offs that you're like, well, you know, I love remote work. I mean, obviously you're doing it sorceress, right? But like, I wouldn't do it in this situation or we know, understand we give up this other thing within our company to make this possible. I think it can be hard if like all of your members are remote um, to build a really like coherent culture. So I think like what has worked for us is that um, most of our remote folks are like very bought into like working with us. And so they like are talking to us all the time and like are really part of our team. It really doesn't feel like they're not part of our team. Um, I, I do feel like there's some cases where like if, you don't you don't stress like your culture you don't stress your relationships as much especially as an early startup and like your team is all in different time zones and you're just like not talking to each other then you can just your culture can feel like a little bit more fragmented um so i think it doesn't work well on teams that are really small and like aren't focused also on like building their like relationships with their team i guess uh and then why did sorcerers go remote from the beginning what was their original motivation it was just like it just Happened to happen. I think it just happened. I think we posted a job post. Uh, we found a really good engineer. And, like, and they're remote. They're like, we're not coming to SF. And you're like, all right, fine. Yeah, I mean, they're like, I would like to come to SF, but I can't. And then we're like, okay, that's fine. Okay, was this um, one of the people in Poland? or Yeah, it was Bartosz, who's here now. Um, okay. So I think it's generally like, you know, great people are everywhere. And they're not all in San Francisco, obviously. So well, I mean, The best are in San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the idea, I think, is like generally like we believe like, you know, we really do think like people are great people are everywhere and yeah. it doesn't there's nothing stopping you from being a great engineer in a different country than being on oh, yeah. here absolutely i mean um, it's uh, it's our mo at peso too yeah it's like, exactly you know. so like as long as we think that you are a good culture fit and you're gonna contribute to our team in a way that's like makes us better then i think we're happy to hire people okay got it that makes sense uh is there anything that was like uh like one super pro tip about remote work uh i mean you've dropped a lot of pro tips in this podcast with the the equipment where we have the, the owl right the, oh yeah the owl jabber speakers are really good zoom by far is the best video conferencing equipment or like software please use that um I should have bought a referral code or something for all this yeah stuff. I really <laughs> but is there any other like kind of pro tip they're like this is super key to making remote work uh at sorcerers that you maybe were surprised by or maybe even that you're not, you weren't surprised by, but you're like, well, I'm really glad we do this. One other thing, I mean, it's just about hiring, right? Like you want to hire people that make sense for your company. And so you do like, I think often people consider like remote folks that they're hiring, like they don't need to be like as strong of a culture fit or something, or like they'll like relax requirements. But I think what's really, if you're hiring someone for your team, like you should still be hiring them regardless of like the same, like, you know, like requirements and like culture requirements that you have for like being onsite versus not. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's what makes it successful. And then I think that's what also makes like our remote like engineers like happy to be part of our team is like, cause they're like also opting in. Yeah, they're it. actually part of your team. Yeah. yeah. And they're also yeah. part of our team. And like, yeah. they've opted into this like sorcerous cult that we have made. Right. So it's like, it's like yeah. a team. Classic startup cult. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what else there is. Um, I think just like making it really easy for you to communicate with people. Right. Cause I think most people like want to join a startup because I think startups provide like a really interesting community, right? Like you're working with these people and like more often than not at a startup, you're, you know, spending more time with your coworkers than you are with like your friends and roommates. So um, just really making it easy to like be a part of that community, right? So like um, it should be as easy for you to do that somewhere else as then it is for you to be an SF doing it. Okay, makes sense. So uh, it talks to a lot of companies that vet specifically or they vet sort of differently for their remote roles versus their onsite yeah. and they do like an extra kind of vetting process for fit for remote work. Do you have anything like that at Sorceress that you uh, kind of look at for 
you know, make sure they have remote work experience before. Or... We actually don't. We pretty much just do the exact same process that we do for okay. on-site candidates, which I think is, like, kind of cool. Um, that is pretty cool, yeah. Because um, I think part of it is just, like, trusting that, you know, if someone's applying for to be a remote engineer, that, like, they understand it's the same kind of work that you'd be doing on-site, right? Like, honestly, like, I think some of our, like, some of us work, like, 60 to 80 hours a week, and, like, that's, like, you know, just because you're remote mm-hmm. is not a different job. It's the same job, and that's why it's, like, the same job posting as well as, like, yeah, it's an engineer. We're hiring yeah. an engineer. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about like, like that trust aspect in remote work a little bit. Have you ever felt kind of a situation where you felt like maybe your remote teammates weren't working um, or like some sort of kind of anxiety around, are there, is the remote team working? Are they putting the hours that I'm working? Or uh, has that ever been an issue or is it always kind of full faith? They're doing the best they can. No, yeah. no judgment, no questions asked. Um. Full faith. I think that's just generally how we operate is like trusting that, you know, most people have like good intentions. If something didn't get done, it's usually communicated. So like, you know, something's not done. Nothing's ever like a surprise, like someone disappeared for like a week. <laughs> okay. Got it. So um, like the overcommunication is the key to that. Yeah, yeah. And I think just generally like trusting, like, you know, if something didn't get done, there's a reason why it didn't get done. Or like someone, I think one of our, um, uh, remote folks, uh, went part-time just because he was also finishing up his master's and so we're like totally fine like he'll just be like a little bit more absent now um Uh, and they pre-communicate that ahead of time so everyone's prepped and everyone's ready for that and then yeah i think just we don't never and because we check in with each other every day like for stand-up so it's never you have to also understand like what people what people are working on um i think it is different so we have hired remote contractors and that's like a little bit different level of like um i guess just like different expectations like there, it's like definitely for having a remote contractor that it's like a little bit less about cult it's obviously a lot less about culture fit and just more about um engineering abilities uh, but yeah. that's like a totally different like way that we're evaluating Got it. Okay. That makes but sense. even with that i think we pretty much trust that like if someone said that they're going to get something done they'll either update us as it's not getting done or they'll get it done okay oh, that makes sense um and then i guess so just europe and U.S. right now, are you guys looking to start hiring in Asia or any of these kind of more difficult time zones? Or are you thinking like, because like your one, one o'clock stand-ups, if someone's in, yeah, yeah let's say India, like, that could be a difficult time zone for them. Is that something you guys consider? Or are you totally open, remote, any country, we're, all in, wherever, let's go? I mean, yeah, we're open to it. I think, we just, I don't think we actually had that many people apply from Asia um, okay. for remote. Sure. Um, most of our remote applications actually are mostly in the States as well, um, and, and Europe, I think, mostly. We actually haven't seen that many from any other places, but I think we're pretty open to it and probably find finding a time that will generally work for most everyone. Um, but we're pretty open to it. I don't think we've, like, X'd out any countries because, like, oh, this time zone would be too terrible for us. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, have you had any issues in, in the States, like, uh, with health insurance or registering entities in different uh, states for some of these remote people? Or has it just been no problem? You've got, I guess, Michigan, right? So you probably yeah. registered in Michigan uh, or anything on that front that you ran into? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, we have someone in Michigan. We have someone in Florida. We have someone um, who bounces around everywhere, basically, in the States. Um, she, like, okay. house sits in, like, I think she's actually in That's London cool. right now. But, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly, but, but, we definitely, okay. but we definitely, like, are prepared for this. Your and, office pays you. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, it's not something I think that, like, we run into. I think we just figure out a way to make it happen. And, like, definitely when I'm, like, talking to candidates, especially if the ones that are looking for remote or looking for, like, visa sponsorship, I tell them, like, 
let's just go through the process and we'll just take care of it at the end. Like, it is like we're like happy to do that once, like, you know, like if it's a good fit, we're like happy to do whatever. Okay. What about um, like equity, say for your, your guy in Poland, is, does he have like a normal comp package comparable to your US team? Uh, and like, does that include equity? And the reason I ask is, is at Pesto, uh, we had an issue where uh, when me and my co-founder were doing our founder equity, mm-hmm. he couldn't actually buy equity with oh. uh, money from a Indian bank account. So and it's like that violates Royal Bank of India money laundering laws. So I had to get buy the equity and then gift it to him, which is like effectively the same thing, but it's just that, you know, yeah. another stack of paperwork and more money to the lawyers. But like, have right. you ran issues there? Uh, and like, I believe we have given equity to people. So generally how we do compensation is like, we'll give you a total comp number and then you pick basically based on like how much salary did you want, like actual cash compensation do you want from that and how much equity do you want from that? Um, so I think it just depends. Um, I believe we have, I'm not exactly sure exactly how all the legal work around, like how did we get the equity to the work? To- <laughs> okay. I mean, you might have issues in Poland. Yeah. I don't know what the, the issues are there, but I'm just curious. Okay. Interesting. Um, let's see. I think we're generally happy to just, have our lawyers take care of things also. It's Got really, it, okay. It's yeah, well, I was ask, do, you, do you provide that legal support or is that kind of on them? Because like, do you have a team that knows how to uh, kind of support your engineer in Poland with the local laws and their local compliances or do you, or you not, not really think about that at this point? Um, or just kind of defer that to them? And they I think their... generally defer that to them if anything comes up, but for most, I don't think we've hired anyone super new that's been remote in Europe. Um, okay. Our latest, like, remote hire was the one in Michigan. Um, so not exactly sure how all the paperwork would work for that. But I think, yeah, we provide legal support. We have, like, our lawyers. And they take care of it, I think. Okay, got it. Yeah, if you don't know all the subsidiaries, yeah, yeah. it's not, so probably not too bad yet. Yeah. Um, okay. We all, yeah, we also don't, like, like I said, I think we have, like, one in Poland, one in Lithuania, one in a couple of the states. I think it's basically where we're at right now. Okay, got it. Um, and then onboarding, does everyone, the remote hires, they onboard remotely as well too? Or do they fly yep. out for onboarding? Um, right now they do it remotely. Okay. Um, and do you find any part of that particularly difficult? So a lot of companies we talk to, like that's the hardest part about remote work. Like once you know the team, once you know the workflows, yeah. it, it, it's, it's relatively easy. Um, but the onboarding is kind of where a lot of people struggle. Do you have similar experience? I mean, I think we're also have been figuring out onboarding for ourselves, like on-site as well. So it's just like, <laughs> okay, totally, it's totally just like Classic. a new thing that we're trying to figure out. Um, we actually do have this new process. Um, and part of uh, me meeting with uh, TJ, one of our engineers, like for 30 minutes every day has been like to go through like his onboarding checklist. Like part of it is like for him to just ask me questions, I like, guess things come up, but also for him to like go through this like ridiculously long list of things that one of our other engineers made for like, this is all the things you should know related to sorcerers and our engineering. Like, okay, um, got it, yeah. Um, so then he has someone to like ask and talk about, um, talk to, but I think onboarding in general is just like hard to do well. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, I like, my joke was that like, I didn't officially onboard to like two months after we, I joined. Until, like yesterday, uh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, our joke was because like we were going through YC at the time that we just like didn't, you know, slowly like ran me up. I just like started working on stuff. <laughs> and then like two months later, we're like, Hey, we didn't do like an onboarding. I was like, yeah, we didn't. Okay. Um, but we haven't had any like. Super large issues. We try, really, we do really try hard to make sure like everyone uh, meets them, um, and, like or chats with them over like a Zoom call, and we try to make most of our team, especially um, in the hiring process, talk to like the people that we're hiring before okay. we hire them, obviously. So, got it, got it. so they have like a general feel of like who are they working with, what's happening. Um, 
but onboarding, we're still figuring out that as like a process of as yeah, engineering general, teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I'd say I'd say we're in a pretty similar boat here. Yeah. Best though. That's uh working. Yeah, if you figure out a good will. way to do that, let us know. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's the next podcast on yeah. how to how to onboard an employee. Yeah. In general. Okay. Enjoy. Yeah, I don't know. It, it actually has just been really easy. Like we just don't think about it to be honest. It's just we have this equipment, we set up things, you have meetings, and it's really easy. Like you don't miss things. Like I generally love asynchronous communication in general. It's yeah. just like nice to be able to like tune in and tune out. Um and then if you're remote and you really want to tune in, you can tune in all the time, right? So like <laughs> it's yeah. just nice. Um Yeah, I mean if you if you use asynchronous communication, that's like a, a big difference. Like I think uh basically just realizing that almost every piece of communication can't be async is like, uh, I think almost like an important, like personal growth milestone that you need to like go through to be compatible with remote work culture. Yeah, definitely. I think like, I think generally we believe like, you know, if you don't need to have a meeting for it, then don't have a meeting for it and just like have a thread where you can just figure it out. Um, Do you have any policies around that or like practices around like maybe uh, how to avoid meetings or canceling meetings? Like one thing we did at, at Pesto is, Basically, if you want to schedule a meeting with someone, uh, you should write out an outline of like what the, you're going to cover, yeah. and if you can just cover it all in the doc, and both parties agree or all parties agree that you know they're on the same page and synced up, then just cancel the meeting. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the decisions channel that I was talking about. It's like I think that spun out of that was like we're just having these small meetings that like had some people sitting in on them, but really just required like you know some like consensus on like a small thing that like using yeah. a yes for it. Um, and also just, yeah, having meeting agendas, I think, like, speeds things up way faster, right? So, like, if you know what you're talking about, you're primed, you're ready, their general thought is, like, your meeting should be five minutes long or, like, an hour long, right? Like, nothing really yeah. makes sense. Okay, um, I don't know if I agree with, like, that. It's much a of pretty like, uh, yeah, broad spectrum yeah, there. But um, I think the general thought is, like, most people have meetings for things that could be resolved very quickly, right? So Yeah, that's fair enough. Actually, somewhat, like, I'd say we sort of practice that. Like, a lot of our meetings that are longer end up they're more not so much for productivity but just as like hey i haven't talked to you know patrick in a while so like we we had like about five minutes with material to cover but we spent an hour and that becomes kind of that remote social time yeah Um, we also just do daily syncs every day so like um our operations team also has like something equivalent to a stand-up where they do like a sync up or like people just ask questions they go through any issues and just like everyone just kind of shares what they've been working it's essentially a stand-up so they do that every day too, so they're everyone like is aware of like what people are doing, what's happening in the general state of the business. Um, okay, got it. That makes sense. Yeah. But cool. Well, thank you very much for for coming on. Uh, I guess any any last thoughts, pro tips, uh, lessons learned for our listeners here that you want to share before I get out of here, or any or any plug for Sorceress? One last like, hey you know, buy our product that you want to get in for, uh, um, for the audience. Can I even buy our product? Come join our team. <laughs> or um, come join your team, okay. Especially if you're an engineer that's, like, wants to pivot into machine learning. We're also happy to, like, teach people, like, like teach people how to do machine learning or like, become a machine learning engineer. Um, generally, we're looking for, like, really intelligent, like, smart, good engineers. Um, and if mm-hmm. this is something that you're interested in, like, we're happy to, like, train you and make you a great machine learning engineer. Okay, interesting. That's super cool. And then uh, where, where can people go to uh, to apply for your machine learning jobs or yeah. get more info? Um, go to sorceress.com slash jobs, I believe is the page. But if you just go to our Sorceress like, website, you should be able to find our job link. Um, we're basically hiring for every role you can think of and like not just for engineering and product, but also on our operations and business side. Literally anything you can think of, you should apply. <laughs> okay, awesome. Sweet. Well, uh, thanks for coming on.
Hey there, Pesto Podcast listeners. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you got a lot out of the show, and I'm incredibly grateful for your support. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on your go-to podcast player or leave an honest review. Every review makes it easier for other people to discover the podcast, and I really appreciate it. If you know someone who might be a great guest for the show, please let me know on our social media channels or by shooting me an email at podcast at pesto.tech. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week.